0: So, um, this is a podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Um, I am recording this sitting on my couch, um, as I am rocking my soon-to-be three-month-old daughter in her little baby Bjorn fucking Norwegian or Swedish or whatever the fuck Bjorn country, uh, is from a little rocker thing with my foot. Um, I'm doing this from the couch primarily because shit, man, when you have a kid, it gets really difficult to find time for shit. Um, I could go downstairs and, you know, set up a microphone and be in isolation, uh, like just talking into the mic But, frankly, I don't have any thoughts about things when I do that. Um, That would feel very uh, Mark uh, Maron-esque if I was to do that. Um, And, I don't know, man. Like, I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a really long time. And uh, I did a few over the years. Um, One, a couple years ago, was... Something, you know, based on, like, music producers and songwriters, which, I you know, I was really interested in at that time and still I'm interested in and have always been interested in because that's how I started my career. Um, so I had, you know, interviewed a few people for that. Okay, I'm actually, I'm bullshitting. I only interviewed one person. Um, and, you know, the whole process for doing it, doing it, like, recording it, you know... Um, remotely, you know, he was in LA, I was in New York, uh, at the time I was living in my apartment in Staten Island, um, I don't know, the whole experience was kind of like whatever to me, it really wasn't that enjoyable, um, and I guess I was just kind of like bored, even though I, I loved doing the interview, so, you know, uh, before that, and I just want to say, I, I have to interrupt myself here, I just want to say that right now, As you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, all, you know, one or two of you. If you're listening to this and you hear, like, crying or uh, you hear, like, cooing or you hear just fidgeting, that is most likely my daughter who is literally at my fucking feet. She is bouncing in her little thing, as I said before, and she's just looking at me as I'm talking. Um, now she's making sounds and, um, I'm bringing it to you sort of live and direct, I guess. Um, I'm going to probably go off on a lot of tangents here because that's how my brain works. Um, you know, in that way, I'm, I don't know. I just, that's how I am. I, I just will start talking and then my mind just sort of veers off in a a lot of different directions, I guess you could say. I might have ADD of the um, of the mind, uh, or whatever the fuck ADD is supposed to be. Um, but anyway, she's sitting here, and she's kicking around, and I'm just enjoying the fact that um, I get to sit here and do this with her in the mornings and in the afternoons as my wife is on maternity leave. She's upstairs sleeping because she was up all night with my daughter, Um, you know, it's it's funny when you have a daughter, um, or, or a son or, or a daughter who thinks they're a son or a son who thinks they're a daughter or whatever the fuck it is that people, you know, um, think they are now because they know that, uh, New York, um, just approved like not listing a gender on the birth certificate and all that shit. Um, so I don't know, however the fuck people refer to themselves uh, you know the interesting thing is like people before I had a kid uh, people would 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 just sort of talk to me about having children and and uh, they I, to be honest it was it was really hard listening to and it gave me a lot of anxiety because most people who have children uh, really relay a lot of negative shit. I mean they're sort of translating a lot of negative shit even though they're not trying to. Like so much of communication is is not, you know, is not even verbal, but so much of what people would say would be verbal. And they would just be saying, Oh man, it's so hard or, you know, it's it's challenging or you just gotta get through through the first couple months. Um it, you know, they would say, Oh man, prepare, you know, your life's gonna change or, you know, you're not gonna get any sleep. Um, I have to say, you know, my daughter's gonna be three months old tomorrow. I mean, this shit has been so fucking enjoyable. Um, it's really been the complete opposite of what I thought it was gonna be. Like, before she was born, I was like, I was losing my mind. I I thought, like, I was gonna actually just gonna kill myself after she was born, because how was I gonna deal with this new thing in my life? And, um, I don't know, like people have this impression of, uh, parenthood and children as like a sort of, um, like a thing that sort of ends you, you know? Um, it's almost like the, the ending of one thing and the beginning of another. And, um, I just don't see it that way, man. Like, uh, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Like it doesn't, it, it actually doesn't end you. It actually, it, it, you know, it just gives you more shit to do. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is harder to do things now, um, more challenging in some ways to do stuff. But, like, what the fuck was I even doing before anyway? Um, Like, I would, you know, work a lot or pretend to work or try to work. But, like, in some ways, having a kid is even better because it makes you focus so much more instead of having, like, these 10 hours or whatever you would have during the day to just sort of veer off into whatever fucking direction you wanted to go. All this random shit. You do tend to stay focused a lot more um, when you have the kid because you know you need to, and like you know your mind has to kind of circle back or zoom back to this this thing you need to care take care of. So in a lot of ways, it's like um, it's like it kind of is a cure for anxiety in some sense. Like I had so much more anxiety before she was born. I mean, really from the time I was married until she was born, I was just fucking dreading having a kid. Like I knew that I was gonna uh, at some point have a kid and it was driving me crazy, you know, to think that that was, um, you know, going to be my life at some point, you know? Um, so I think it was really scary. I think it was really scary. And, you know, it's gotten, it's gotten so much less scary now that she's here. I mean, it's, you know, she's here. It's like, um, <laughs> it's probably like, I mean, like my brother or whoever the fuck I would talk to, you know, I would talk about it. I would talk about all these things as, as, you know, I relate everything, uh, unfortunately, to, like, jail. It's like, if you can think of the worst possible situation to be in, jail is probably the worst possible situation. And yet, there are tons of motherfuckers in jail, right? Like, it's like, you go to jail, and it's not a place you want to be, but you figure it out, you know? Like, um, I mean, that, that would be, like, my joke to most people. It's like... I don't know, man. Like, even if you have a life sentence, you find out a way to deal with it. I mean, I'm not comparing having a kid to jail because, obviously, having a kid is more enjoyable than going to jail. Although, there are a lot of similarities. You know, you are pretty much, you know, confined to a small space with another person. Um, you got to put up with their shit. They shit a lot. Um, you know, you eventually fall in love with them. Um, and they're pretty much a constant responsibility, you know, not unlike, I think, living in a fucking prison cell or whatever, you know, um, you're constantly afraid cause the kid might fucking fall over or something like that. Or, you know, she'll choke on something or, uh, throw up and you won't see her. Um, you can never leave her alone. Um, so you're always, you know, watching over your shoulder. Um, in, so yeah, there's a lot of fucking similarities between having a kid and going to jail. I mean, basically that's what I'm saying. Having a kid is like being in prison. I mean, uh, I kind of just come to that conclusion, but anyway, now I got to go back to this fucking podcast thing. I, the way I started this goddamn thing. So the fucking podcast, right? This is going to be me just fucking talking Probably for a half hour, an hour. I don't know. I might do this, you know, weekly. I might do it daily. I might do it pretty much, you know, as I feel like it. I really don't want a schedule. I didn't get into creative life to have a schedule. If I wanted to be on a schedule, I would have just got a fucking job. Um, I would go literally work at a bank or do some similarly other boring thing if I could even get one of those fucking jobs. I mean, that's that's the great irony of, like, thinking about... You know, creative shit. Like, you always think, like, oh, I could, uh, you know, I would have just got a job. I mean, who could even get a job anymore? Like, that's just such a fucking, um, a foreign thing. I mean, the reality of it is, I probably, if I wasn't doing creative shit, I would just be driving an Uber like every other fucking person on earth. I mean, because that's what you do now, right? I mean, if you have uh have to make money you you know you deliver packages or for Uber Eats or Seamless or th- you drive Uber or Lyft i mean pretty much the gig economy man like that shit just took the sales out of everything i mean that's all you can really do now is just be like some temporary gig work motherfucker so that would probably be me i'd be a 37 year old uber driver you know talking about things i did ten years ago or the person I used to be, which is pretty much um I think what it's you know what it's all about now. Um so anyway, I I'm yeah, I just for the most part I wake up in the morning and I write a lot, or I did um, you know, before my daughter was born, but I still do write a lot. I find time during the day to jot down, you know, at least a thousand words, two thousand words, whatever the fuck is on my mind. And often, uh, you know, in addition to whatever work I actually need to do, um, you know, I don't find that doing that type of writing really satisfies me. I have a lot to say. Um, and you know, I talk to my wife, I talk to my friends, um, and I don't know, as I've gotten older, I've found that I just have less people to talk in a, in a very real way with. Like, I was thinking about this this morning. How, as you get older, you create a lot of filters inside of your head. Um, and when you're younger, you don't really have those filters, or you go through this period where the where you've you know you've purposely disabled the filters, right? Like you've taken the 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 fucking Instagram photo, the raw image that you would, you know clean up and 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 make look sexy you've temporarily disabled that to make it raw or you've added this other filter on it that you know makes it seem different than it is and all of that shit is a presentation of who you are and your opinions and your point of view um so like I don't know man like now as I've gotten older I find that I filter a lot of shit that I want to say or that I'm thinking based upon a reaction that I might get from an audience, but whether that be the audience in my real life, which is like family and friends and even myself, um, or I'm filtering it for an audience that's online, you know, on Twitter, on social media, or I'm filtering it for an audience that might read something that I write um, you know, and basically, uh, how they engage with whatever it is. I'm like, I'm thinking of how they would react almost like I'm setting up a goddamn punchline. Um, and I really don't enjoy that. I mean, I kind of like simply riffing and just going off the top of my head as I'm doing right now. I mean, if you think about it, I really haven't pressed pause or I haven't, You know, gone back and re edited anything. I'm literally just talking. I don't know how many minutes it's been, probably 10 or 15. And you're hopefully listening. Um, If you are, I appreciate it. Um, I'm always amazed that anybody listens to anything um, or cares about anything I have to say. But sometimes I would, you know, be in a crowd or have an audience of one person or two people, people interviewing me or, uh, people that were looking to me for advice. I get a lot of email people asking me for advice to things. Um, and sometimes I really don't have a lot of advice. Um, I recently got an email from a kid, uh, who follows me on Twitter. Um, and I think he lives in, um, I don't want to be disrespectful, you know, but I think he lives in Nigeria. I don't want to say like, I just know he lives in Africa somewhere, um, he probably indicated that at some point or another, I'm pretty sure he's in Nigeria, um, and fucking, you know, he, he he emailed me and asked me for some advice on, like, how to get, you know, published in the Rolling Stone, GQ, um, Esquire, a bunch of these fucking publications, you know what I'm saying, which, Frankly, I, I don't have a lot of advice for because I, I for one, I never r- have written for GQ. I mean, I would love to write for GQ just for professional sake, you know, um, but it's not like GQ is knocking down my door, um, you know, asking me to write anything. I mean, I, like I said, I would love if they did. I mean, the platform is, is, is cool and it's important and, you know, it's enjoyable if you do get to, you know, talk to that audience, but, um, I never have, uh, Esquire I've written for a couple times, Rolling Stone, you know, a couple times, but every time I do something, you know, I have to say, I mean, I, I, I really subscribe to a, you know, a point of view of like almost radical honesty. I wish I could be less honest, you know, um, if I could talk less, I think I would, I would be a lot better off, you know, um, I pretty much have sabotaged my entire life, um, just because I can't shut the fuck up. Um, if I have somebody that's important talking to me, I will find a way to fucking literally talk their ear off, and overtalk and overshare to the point where they're just like get this motherfucker away from me. But anyway, um, there's a lot of power in being able to just be quiet. Um, I mean, you can probably tell from the simple fact that I am just talking now for so long that I just. Continuously talk and, and one thing I remember at my wedding uh, Not to get all fucking Continuously get even more personal But I remember at my wedding You know One of my wife's friends said something She gave a speech um, At the wedding Because we had like a moment of silence Like some fucking Quaker shit we had this moment of silence thing where you, you know, it would be quiet and then, um, I mean, I'm not a Quaker um, or anything, but my wife was raised and, you know, had gone to Quaker schools um, because, you know, she she had it like that. Um, I went to public schools because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, And (laughs) fucking, you know, she... So we had this moment of silence thing, and so this girl got up, you know, one of my wife's best friends, and she said, one thing I remember about, you know, Paul and his, you know, his wife, I guess her name's Anu. I I guess I have to be, you know, pretty upfront about that. So one of the things about Paul and Anu was that they are always talking. And that's the thing about, you know, my wife and I, like when I met her, I just found that her and I just would talk for hours, um, or I would just talk and she would listen. But sometimes she would talk and I would listen. I mean, rarely, but... <laughs> um, and now she would she would say that I don't listen to her at all. But um, yeah, pretty much like um, the thing, you know, was that we would just always be talking. And um, I think that, you know, having a lot to say is important. Um, but it can be... Detrimental to you um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is, like I said, that you you sort of overshare. Um, anyway, I, I'm sure that I have lost my train of thought again. Um, I'll probably continuously lose my train of thought, and I appreciate you putting up with that. But anyway, uh, I feel that, yeah, like, you know, filters. Fucking filters, man. I don't want to filter myself anymore. I just really want to talk directly to people. So that's what this podcast, you know, uh, is going to be about. Um, Other things that I thought about before committing to doing this, uh, not that I am committing to doing it necessarily, I could stop doing it tomorrow. I mean, if nobody listens, I mean, who will give a fuck? But one of the things that, you know, I thought about a lot in Before I did it was just this sense of like Doing a podcast alone We were talking to somebody And it's pretty sad to You know, do things uh, By yourself. Um, Like, is this the loneliest podcast in the world? I mean, maybe it is Like, but whatever, man Fuck it, everybody's alone And uh, I sometimes find podcasts Are really um, kind of when there's two people talking uh, or three people, I find that a lot of the conversation is forced. I feel that even on the radio, people are unnecessarily peppy. I don't understand people who are so happy and just all fired up. Like, is anything worse than fucking morning radio? I mean, how do these people get so juiced up? It's 6 o'clock in the morning. How are you that fucking excited about anything? Um, it's like this whole... Philosophy of, uh, you know, just having people on the go and feeling good and, you know, being upbeat in the morning. I don't know about you, but like when I wake up, I just, my first thought is, um, usually that I. Would like to kill myself. <laughs> um, or just like, how is it that I'm actually alive? Oh my God. Uh, you know, I can't believe it's another day and I have to deal with this shit again. Um, I mean, sometimes it gets to the end of the day and I'm, I'm, I think the same thing. I'm like, how the fuck does anybody make it through a day? Um, like, that seems challenging um, just to kind of. Spend 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever, however many hours it is that a person spends alive. This just seems really hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll just be talking, you know, I might have a guest on. If anybody ever wants to come on this fucking thing, um, you can email me. My email is paulcantor at gmail.com. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, maybe that was another thing, another reason why I wanted to, uh, just sort of do a podcast with me talking, um, because, I mean, I'm not, I mean, this is gonna sound crazy, but honestly, I really don't give that much of a fuck about anyone. Um, I mean, like, I find people interesting and, you know, for my professional life, I mean, I'm a journalist or at least I pretend to be. Um, and I will, you know, interview people and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, sometimes even doing an interview like that shit is work and it's very performative. Um, you're performing the function of being a journalist. Like I tend to feel often, you know, when I'm interviewing somebody, not everyone, but but definitely like over the years, if it's somebody that I don't necessarily want to talk to. Now, in the last couple of years, I've really only worked on stories that I enjoy. Um, I guess I've gotten to that level in my life and career where I can't, nobody gives me assignments because the media industry is pretty much over. Nobody really gives me assignments anymore. Like, it's not like anybody just goes, hey, I don't get any emails where people are like, hey, can you interview, you know, Joe Schmo about whatever the fucking thing. I mean, I tend to feel like the media industry, as I said, is pretty much over. Um, Like, it's pretty much this now, podcasts and, like, video content. But, like, the days of, like, written interviews and, like, stories, it's kind of come to end. I don't really find on a day-to-day that there's a lot of shit for me to, like, read. Um, I have, you know, a thing on my phone that kind of, like, sends me articles and stuff. Like, every day it's pretty much the same articles. Like, there's, like, maybe five or six topics. And everybody just finds ways to feed those five or six topics. They're, like, trending topics. But there's not, like, this, like, hyper, you know, interesting sect of uh, information, like, you know, uh, I guess you would ordinarily, I mean, let's say 10 or 15 years ago, not that any, if any young people are listening to this, I mean, they wouldn't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but you would probably like buy a magazine or something that like really catered to your interest in that sense. But you know, that model doesn't really work online. So there really isn't like a lot of hyper, informative websites about anything anymore. I mean, you have, like, fan communities, and you have, you know, a few things, like, maybe for film or music and shit like that, but, I like, on the whole, I find the web to be pretty disappointing. Like, you know, I spend most of my time, like, on Wikipedia, if anything, Um, but as far as, like, actual websites and shit... Um, I mean, I look at like, you know, the mainstream fucking media, the New York times and the post and stuff like that. Um, and I never look at some of the other things that, you know, would be called like fake news. Um, I don't really look at Facebook anymore. I had a period of time where I was kind of into it, but I feel that people have kind of moved on from Facebook and, I just try to stay away from that shit if in general, like it's just people sharing or oversharing pictures and, you know, information about you, um, attention seeking type things like that is just seems like a fucking waste of time. I, I think a lot of the interesting shit on Facebook is obviously in Facebook groups, you know, like if you can get into a Facebook group where people are discussing things of interest it's pretty fun. But like the public conversation on Facebook is not, you know, interesting. I'm on a couple of Facebook groups and like, it's nice for a while before it gets annoying, you know? Like I was, I was on one that I joined, like, I don't know, it was on like for like TV writing or something. Um, and I just found most of the conversation on there to be really like, it was interesting for a while, and then it was really juvenile, I mean, I guess, like, I'm kind of at a point in my life where, I mean, I just read books, and, um, I guess I'm too smart for the internet, I don't, I don't know, I, like, maybe that makes me sound like a fucking asshole or something, like, I go to sleep fucking reading Wikipedia and books, um, I mean, I used to go to sleep pretty much with, I've always gone to sleep with shit, like, um, at least in my adult life, I've always gone to sleep with like shit around me or at least in front of me, like books. Um, I mean, I've, I, and I sleep, like I go to sleep earlier now, right? Cause when you're married, you, you start fucking going to sleep earlier. Like it's just for the simple fact that you kind of want to go to bed at the same time as your wife So she won't fucking get pissed at you for not going to bed with her. Um, And it's nice, like, in the sense, to go to bed with her. Because, you know, you get to just share that little time, you know, that you're together. uh, Even though we're together all the fucking time now, right? Because we're sitting here taking care of this kid. um, And she's not at work. But, like, you pretty much... um, You pretty much, like, get whatever it is, that 10, 15 minutes before she invariably falls asleep, you know. um, I'm still awake. But, like, just knowing she's there, that's nice. Um, I mean, one thing I never really gave much credence to what I'm starting to (laughs) is... um, like the hormonal exchange between two fucking or two people or three people or however many of the fuck people you know that it, it, it creates like a sort of happiness, like, um, like there is like a bio chemical reaction to certain elements of your life that, um, I think. I guess when I was younger, I just didn't think about them at all. Like when you're alone all the time, you know, your biology kind of adjusts to being alone. Um, And the things that trigger you uh, and the things that bring you happiness, they change a lot, um, you know, based on your aloneness. So when you're alone all the time, like your body chemistry kind of reacts to things differently than when you're around loved ones per se – um, and like, that's why love is kind of this unexplainable thing, right? You can never explain love because it, it, it just sort of sends off all kind of triggers inside of you that make no sense on, you know, on like a, you couldn't put them on like a PowerPoint presentation, like there's no PowerPoint presentation or there's no, you know, uh, there's no pitch deck for luck, for love. There's no pitch deck for love. Like you could literally could not come up with a plus and minus on like why you need to be with someone and why they need to be with you. Like I had a friend back, uh, when I was about 22, I think he was 23. Um, a good guy, you know, um, sort of aimless. Um, even then as of now, you know, cause I still talk to him. Um, hope he's not listening to this, but if he is, well, sorry, bro, um, but anyway, like, you know, we were just out of school, he had never, he had not graduated at that point, like, he'd been to, like, 25 fucking schools, one of them, even an Ivy League school, he got flunked out of all of them, because I don't even know how the fuck he got into an Ivy League school, but anyway, got into an Ivy League school, and, you know, flunked out, so he'd gone to the Army, um, got kicked out of that. I mean, he pretty much had failed at everything at that point. He was like, in some sense, the perfect American, uh, 20 something. He was an absolute fuck up, like coddled by his parents, you know, told he was perfect. And then pretty much, uh, you know, got into his twenties and couldn't do anything. Um, so he met a girl that I remember going to high school with, because we were still living on Staten Island then, and he kind of, like, fell in love with this chick. And, you know, she kind of was dicking him over, just being uh, not great to him. I'm sure that he contributed to that also. And, like, he kind of got hung up on her. And I was like, damn, dude, you can't get hung up on this girl. You're, like, 23. For a brief period of time, I even think they were living together, right? And then they they um, broke up and... Um, you know, he was kind of like all fucked up about it, like trying to figure out like what he was going to do and all this shit. And we would go for these, uh, runs more like walks. Cause I was like really fat then. I mean, almost as fat then as I am now. Um, and we would go for these walks, and, uh, around the track at the college of Staten Island. And like, he would just be like pouring his heart out to me and be like, but I love her. And Oh my God. And how am I going to live without her? And why, Oh, you don't understand. And like, it's just, it's just, you know, I can't stand her not being, you know, uh, not being in love with me anymore. And like, he was just going on and on about this fucking shit. And I was just like, dude, fuck that girl. I mean, you could find another girl anywhere, like, it was just a law of fucking averages, like, you know, you lose one, find another, like, just go talk to somebody else, like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, and I just couldn't, at that point, I guess I was like, it wasn't that I was cold, but I was you know, beginning to wall off certain emotions inside of me that I just kind of saw love as this really inconvenient thing, like almost a waste of time. Um, and that was because, you know, as a teenager, I was, I was in a long-term relationship and that relationship had kind of ended, you know, um, poorly. And now I was like, fuck all that shit. I mean, being in a relationship is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Um, like nothing could be worse than being in a relationship. Like nobody could, uh, want to be in that kind of prison sentence. (laughs) Um, and for years, like I just, that whole biochemical, uh, exchange was just off to me. But what I realize now is that that was what he was going through is like his biology in the, 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 chemistry inside of him, the fucking, the, the, endorphins and the, you know, um, I don't know, whatever the fuck I'm trying to say, the things inside of him were reacting in a way in, in, in which they were making him, uh, feel things that to me, I didn't really understand, you know, and, um, I guess now at 37, right, looking at my daughter now, my wife's upstairs sleeping, I'm doing a goddamn podcast, sitting on a couch, you know, pretty much the low-rent version of whatever the fuck it is that I have ever aspired to do or ever wanted to do, I realize that a lot of the things I'm doing and the way I'm doing it now and trying to squeeze things in and this, that, and the third, it's all because I am in love and, um... I mean, I guess that's kind of corny, but it is what it is, uh, and I think, you know, at the moment, that's kind of just where I want to leave it, um, or maybe not, I don't know, maybe let's, let's, I mean, should I keep it going, I do I need to take a break, let's see, how long have I been recording? Well, it's been about 35 minutes, I mean, it's 35 minutes, and my daughter was asleep, for about 15 or 20 of those minutes, she's up now, I mean, she's probably going to start crying, I mean, am I oversharing, probably, um, but fuck it, I'll keep going, let me talk a little bit about current events, right, because that's a thing people seem to care about, um, but before I get to that, uh, I, I do want to double back on the guest thing, I think it's important, you know, to have guests, people like hearing guests, but so much of like the podcast thing is just people interviewing other fucking people. And it's like a big circle jerk of people going around doing interviews, you know, like interviews are so fucking played out. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's interviewing people and literally nobody knows how to do an interview. I I listen to all these podcasts and they're so fucking disappointing. The biggest, even the biggest ones, like uh, fuck it. I mean, the biggest ones, they just kind of suck. I mean, like I can't make it through half of these fucking things. Um, and I might be being critical of podcasting at, 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 while I'm doing a podcast, but it's like, bro, I just want you to get to the fucking point. Like listening to one of these biographical podcasts where a dude, you know, will interview somebody about their life. I'm just like, bro, couldn't you have just done this as a summary before the person came on, like, I don't need, uh, you know, a biography of, uh, whoever the fuck a person has on, you know, it's like, um, it's not important to, to, to do that. You know, it's, it's like, you could just go to Wikipedia. I mean, that's your competition pretty much for anything right now is basically to just, can somebody Wikipedia this faster than you can talk about it? Like if they can, why do I need to listen to this? So a lot of times it's like, you know, just a podcast is just kind of taking up space. You know, it's like an hour and a half of just like people bandying about dancing around a, a point that, you know, they are trying to make, but not making. And like, I, I'm probably, you know, guilty of this myself, right? I've been just been rambling for an hour or 35 minutes or however long I've been doing this. And you're probably like, hey man, just fucking talk about something real. But um I would like to interview some people. I don't really know who. Um, you know, a lot of times when these people do these interview things, and even when I was thinking about doing an interview show, I was just thinking, like, who could I interview? You know, that I know who's like an easy person to interview. And so I looked at my phone. I know so many fucking people. And I'm like, oh, you know, uh, uh, why don't you come on my podcast and like, you know, we'll talk about a thing. And the more I thought about that, the more I just didn't want to do it. Um, It just seemed so hard to like coordinate with other people's schedules. I would have to like email a person and, you know, we'd have to set up a time to talk, and they would have to come over, or whatever, and, like, I really just don't want to do that, um, like, I fucking, I can't stand having to coordinate things with other people, like, it's so fucking annoying, I like just being on autopilot, and not having to deal with anybody else, I guess, in some ways, I'm, like, kind of, I mean, that sounds selfish and sort of narcissistic, you know, but like I've spent my life pretty much looking and getting paid to look at other people. And frankly, like I'm doing that professionally for certain things that I'm working on right now. And when I'm not doing that, I I don't really, I don't really have a ton of interest in what other people have to say. Like I, I actually don't give a fuck what another person thinks about pop culture or politics or you know, movies, music, whatever the fuck people are talking about. Like I have my own thoughts on the goddamn Grammys or the NBA all-star weekend or so on and so forth. And I sit around and I'm like, man, I'm just like really blowing a a golden opportunity to just talk about this. I don't want to talk about it on Twitter, which leaves so much, you know, room for people to take your shit out of context. I kind of just want to talk directly to people, and if you're listening, you're listening. If you're not, I really don't give a fuck about you anyway, Um, you know, and anyway, so that's what this fucking thing is. Uh, Maybe by the end of this, I'll have a name for it. I'm just kind of making it up as I go along. Um, If it sounds like I'm losing my mind, possibly I am. I really don't care. I mean... I don't anticipate that many people listening to this, but maybe over time people will. And if they don't, again, I don't really care. It's just me talking. I would ordinarily be writing this shit out, you know, but, uh, I don't think anybody knows how to read or wants to read anymore. Uh, I've spent many years writing online. Um, you know, so many years, it's slightly depressing. I've spent so many years doing that and, I've just noticed that the readership for things, unless you have a platform, unless you have somebody putting your ideas out there for you, unless you have that, like, nobody cares, you know what I'm saying? Like, every jerk-off on earth is fucking sharing their opinion on things, and they're even doing that it with this, too, but this is just easier, and I'm at a point now in my life where I, I kind of want things easy. But anyway, so... The one thing I do want to talk about is the NBA All-Star game, which was last night. Um, the NBA All-Star game was, like, really a little bit of a mind fuck, man. Like, I really enjoy... This is the one year where I've been a little checked out of the NBA. You know, pretty much my entire life, I've watched the Knicks religiously. Um, almost every game, like, every season... Um, you know, even in the fucking shit years where I would have to watch like Shandon Anderson or somebody, um, or like Howard Isley, or, uh, I'd have to watch, you know, Steve Francis and fucking Stefan Marbury, you know, in the backcourt. I mean, the laundry list of fucking players that had played for the Knicks, you know, is mind blowing Tracy McGrady, um, Glenn Rice, um, Vin Baker, like anybody who was like anyone at any point, Antonio McDice, anyone that was anyone at any point in the NBA has at some point played for the Knicks. Like it's kind of amazing to think about that. Like they always get like some incredible player like 15 years after they were good. But my point in saying this is like this was the first year where I was really checked out of the NBA. Um and there was a couple reasons for that. One of one of the main reasons was that in July I moved. I moved from New York, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I moved from New York to New Jersey. New Jersey doesn't have a basketball team anymore and even if they did, it's not like I would fucking be rooting for the Nets. Um, I, I don't even consider the Nets a basketball team. I mean, I know they play in Brooklyn and I know that they there are players that are on the court and I know that they have an arena, the Barclays Center, but the Nets are like, I don't know what they are. Um, anybody that roots for the Nets, I I, I, I legitimately question their sanity. Um, I, if you are a person that roots for the Nets, I mean, unless you're like born and raised in Brooklyn and it's very important for you to Display your Brooklyn pride. Um, I don't, I don't know how the fuck you you root for that team. I don't even know who the fuck is on the Nets. Like I said, they're not a relevant basketball team to me. The arena, even though I like the Barclays Center, you know, in general, it's like it's a weird arena to be in. Like the just the the vibe in the Barclays is 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 sort of, um, it's just a weird vibe, man. It's like very spacious and. It's just It just feels like, even though it's in Brooklyn, it feels like it's in the suburbs. There's just that much space. So, um, okay, so the Brooklyn Nets aren't a basketball team. I don't know what the fuck they are. You have the Knicks. I moved to New Jersey, and, you know, in my first couple months living here, I really was, like, trying to avoid having cable because who the fuck has cable anymore? Um, I mean, I didn't want to pay... or whatever it is for shitty internet service and, you know, 700 channels that I don't watch. I mean, I really just wanted to watch basketball. It was the only fucking channel I wanted to watch, but, uh, it's actually very difficult to just be able to stream basketball. Um, it was until I bought a new television and I was able to get something called direct TV now, which has MSG on it. So I finally got that. Um, I was trying to live, you know, without, basically without cable. I was just paying for Amazon, Netflix, you know, streaming services, so to speak. Um, I was trying to, as they say in the streets, cut the cord. Um, (laughs) and then I realized that, that cord cutting just sucks because they're actually in those 700 channels of bullshit. You do like to just Flick the TV on and just be able to watch. Like, so here was a thing that I had been doing. Now, I don't watch a lot of television. I mean, I watch television shows, but only as research for, like, scripts and, like, how to write things and just see what things, you know, what things are happening. But, like, I don't watch television, like, as, like, a like a person who's, like, engaged with television. Like, I, I it's clearly an academic thing. Like, I, I actually... I don't know how people watch television and, like, get caught up in it and are like, did you see this show? I mean, no, actually, I didn't see this show. (laughs) I mean, like, who the fuck wants to be in a goddamn relationship with a TV show? Like, I'm not really trying to watch 16 episodes of something unless it's, like, really, really, really amazing, you know? Um, Probably a good example of that would be... um, I don't know. All the shows that I like are, like, really uh, shitty shows that, like, everyone hates now. Like, I mean, I love, like, Entourage. I've watched Entourage, like, 5,000 times. I mean, it's probably because I am what, you know, they say on the internet, I am what what is called a straight white male. um, Or, you know, at least I think I am. Um, I am a straight white male. And um, that's a show that's for straight white males. I mean, it's basically a bunch of bridge and tunnel guys in Los Angeles living in the entertainment industry. It's pretty much, you know, an accurate representation of what my life, you know, in a perfect scenario would have been, you know, um, if the entertainment industry was different, if I was different, if life just unfolded differently. You know, it's just a bunch of guys having fun and dealing with like LA shit, which is every New York kid from, you know, every Bridge and Tunnel New York kid's dream, you know, uh, being in movies and stuff like that. So I love that show. Um, the Sopranos, Deadwood. Um, and then, like, as I've gotten older, I mean, I'll get into shows that are, you know, a little, you know, off the beaten path. like you know, they're just like kind of clever shows. Uh, I did like this show um, uh, that was on, I want to say it was on FX. I mean, I didn't watch it on FX. I think I watched it on Netflix after it was off FX. It was like the the show version of Get Shorty, which was also, you know, about a, a dude breaking into the entertainment industry. I think I'm just fascinated with that stuff because I love the entertainment in- industry. Like, that's pretty much, you know, my world. So I like shows about that. Um, shows that are about, like, family drama or being lost on an island, like, I mean, like I said, I can get into them from an academic standpoint. Like, I can, I can look at them to break down scenes and see, like, character development, things that you would look at, you know, as a writer. But, like, I don't, I don't find myself losing myself in those types of shows, um, or anything like that, um, same with movies, I mean, I watched tons of movies, I would always, you know, before we had a child who fucking basically requires 24 hours of attention, you know, um, none of it is interesting as watching a movie, but I, I should say, before I had a child, I mean, I, we would go to the movies all the time, we lived, not far from a movie theater in Manhattan, and we had a theater down the block, so we would go all the time, all times of the night, you know, last movie, whatever, 1230, I mean, even on, like, a Sunday, if it was late, you know, I would just walk, I would see, like, the shittiest movie, I'd go see, like, Pirates of the Caribbean or something, just because I was bored, you know, and just because I could do it, um, then we moved, and I was doing it a little less, um, because the movies weren't playing as late you know um, but even movies I don't find that you know I watch them now and I'm not as absorbed in movies as I once was because some of the so many of the stories are like repetitive. Um, but anyway getting back to the NBA. I, so we got, so, so we got DirecTV now and I started watching the Knicks a little bit, but the Knicks are actually the worst team that has ever played basketball. I mean, I've never seen a team worse than this. Like, this is like, if you took, um, I don't know, the worst basketball team and then turned them into like a junior varsity high school team and then put them in the NBA. Um, like, That's how bad the Knicks are. Watching them is like, is so painful. Um, There is nothing pretty about watching them. There's not a player you want to see. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. now is kind of interesting, but even he is like, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but he's not like at the level where you would like really pay to see him. He's pretty much, you know, an average guy who. I think, you know, may become a good NBA player, but like it wasn't like seeing Porzingis. Porzingis is an overrated fucking player. I don't care what the fuck you tell me. Um like watching him last season before he got injured, it was it was um it was challenging seeing the conversation around him because he really he started off really hot and then he cooled off so much. I mean, he had like the first 10 games he was averaging like 35 fucking points a game. But then teams kind of started adjusting to him and he really did not perform well until he got injured. I mean, he was shooting a very low percentage. He was very predictable. He's pretty much a three-point shooter, seven three, three-point shooter, who didn't get any rebounds, I mean, and didn't play any defense. Like so he's pretty much an overrated player as far as I was concerned. I mean, he was he was good in highlights, you know, but like in terms of winning games, I don't think he could do it. So the Knicks traded him and I haven't been watching a lot of basketball. So now I tune into the NBA All Star game and, like, um, I watched some of the slam dunk contests. I, you know, I actually did go to a movie Saturday night and I saw if Beale Street could talk, which was very good. And I came home and when I got home, I was able to catch a little bit of the dunk contest. And, um, you know, it was like the dunk contest was pretty good, but, the All-Star game was like kind of fascinating because for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know if NBA statistics nowadays are real statistics. Like like if a person breaks a record in the All-Star game or a person breaks a record period, I don't even consider it being a broken record like because the NBA is like a fucking video game now. It's like if they took, you know, 2K uh, or even like worse, was made like NBA Live '95. Took it and made it the actual NBA. Like it was like Adam Silver or before him, David Stern. It was like one of these motherfuckers sat down and was like, "How can we make the NBA more like a video game?" Um, like the video game version of the NBA got so good that they wanted to emulate that shit. They were like, "How can we make the NBA just play like Xbox?" And so they made all these fucking rule changes, um, a lot of which basically allow nobody to play defense anymore. Um, there's no defense in the NBA anymore. It's it's like mind blowing watching a game. It if you watch an NBA game, it's like James Harden literally just fucking scoring fifty points a game. Um, he is like he is like a like a creative player in two K with every every setting at ninety nine. So, yes, I mean, it's like, if you made, you know, a creative player mode, and you basically just gave everyone the ability to dunk at will, um, shoot, you know, perfect three-pointers, I mean, if you see, watching the All-Star game, but also if you just watch the NBA more generally, where the fuck guys are shooting from, like, it is... Absolutely ridiculous, you know, how far people are shooting from. Um, they're pretty much shooting from like 40 feet away. Um, and first of all, it's fascinating that you know a player could shoot from that far away, um, with any consistency or regularity. A lot, I mean, frankly, it's like a Steph Curry effect. Like, you know, Steph Curry had this incredible range. Um, and probably because he just practiced those shots, uh, you know, and he got, it became so good at them that, you know, he could take like a 30 foot three pointer and that it's very hard to guard a player out there. But again, if you get back to the, like the rule changes and shit, like the rule changes and everybody has sort of talked about this over the years, the rule changes have made it so that you really can't, you know, touch a player on the perimeter. And that gives players a lot of space. Um, to shoot the ball, to dribble the ball, to move very freely. So there's a lot of movement in the NBA now, um, and it really is primarily a guard-style league. That isn't to say that it's only guards that can succeed, but but even bigger players who play like guards are pretty much the ones who um, are able to flourish. Uh, If you look at even... As we were talking about Porzingis, I mean, Porzingis is like 7 3, but really doesn't have um, the game of a player who would be 7 3, say, 20 years ago. Um, he plays, you know, a style of basketball that is not that dissimilar to like a James Harden or um, Steph Curry, um, you know he is kind of like what you would call a stretch five. Right. But I mean, if everybody is a stretch five, then that's just what a five is. It really isn't like when I say five, I mean a center. There isn't really like, um, you know, a center anymore in the NBA, like that kind of doesn't really exist, you know? So, um, my point is that there's an aspect of watching the NBA that is really enjoyable for, for the highlights and, you know, watching the all-star game, that one dunk that Steph Curry bounced past the, to Giannis um, that, you know, pretty much everybody's been running that, that play back. Um, It was in, I think the first or second quarter. And it was probably like one of the top five all-star plays I know I had ever seen. Uh, It was definitely up there. Um, Like, I mean, people have certainly thrown the ball off the backboard and done crazy passes before, but it was, you know, so much of what makes a play good or not good is just the when the play happens, right? I mean, and what is going on around it. I mean, you could have this incredible uh, dunk, like, but if it comes in isolation and nobody's around a player, like, nobody gives a fuck, you know? But if there's a lot of movement and a play happens to be unfolding or unfolds like in a way where just it's completely unexpected the unexpectedness of the of the play makes it kind of incredible so um that play was just fucking nuts because it was just it came out of like nowhere and the ball was so high and Giannis jumped so fucking high i i joked that it was like he hit his head on a cloud i mean he was so uh in the air I mean, I had never really seen anything, you know, that spectacular. Um, but as the game went on, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was it was Jonas's uh, team. I think they had, like, 96 points or something or 90 points in the first half, you know? And the All-Star game is, like, never really has a lot of defense and shit like that. I mean, it's not like you would ever... I mean, you never really see players, like, going hard at each other until the fourth quarter. But um, even still, if you went back ten years, like, you wouldn't see a score that fucking high. Like, that, you know, it was, it's pretty insane that, you know, you could score that many points. I mean, it's not a matter of... Uh, nobody playing defense I mean the ball literally has to go in the basket That many times for The score to add up like even if you didn't Play defense right I mean you still have to make uh, As many shots to get 90 Fucking points in the first half like y- You gotta score so Point is is that this These teams were able to put the ball In you know that That much um, I don't Remember the ag- exact score Of the game Um I think it was, like, 190 to, like, 178 or something like that. You know, I joked with my wife that, like, they were going to break 200, um, which didn't seem really impossible, like, looking at that first half. Um, It was really enjoyable watching the game, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just great, just, like – I'm kind of basketball starved, as I said. I, I'm not really watching a lot of basketball. I almost, like, don't even know what the fuck is happening in the NBA. I mean, I guess, you know, just having real-life things occurring, you know, new house, new baby, um, you know, work stuff, you just kind of lose track of shit, you know, and you get so into whatever it is you're doing that you, you don't have that time to just be watching TV, you know, all the time. Um even though when you're at home with, you know, your child, like really that's all you, you do have time to do is watch television. But um, as I said, the Knicks are terrible. And um, I don't know, there's like a level of attention you need to have to pay attention to basketball in the way uh, like nerdy people like myself like to like to pay attention. So, um I really haven't been paying attention to it. So the All Star game was like fucking like crack for me, you know, just seeing, you know, the level of uh, skill and just all those highlights. I mean, it was really quite entertaining. Um, I used to tape the All Star games when I was a kid. I mean, when we had like, you know, VCRs and stuff like that, I probably. I think my first all-star game that I ever watched was in 92 93 because that's when I I really started watching basketball with any, you know, um regularity. Uh you know, I I really got turned on to basketball in 92 through the Dream Team. I mean, I was 10. I didn't have a lot of interest in sports um like until I was about 10 which my parents were really concerned about because if you're not interested in sports as a kid, it's like, you know, at least in that day, period in time, you know, uh, it's probably different now. Because um, I don't even think parents, and the saying this as a parent, I, I don't know that parents really want their kids playing sports as much now primarily because of some of the challenges and dangers that come from playing sports. Like, if you played football and you just fucking, like, a kid just keeps hitting their head into somebody, like, that's not really a thing you want your kid doing. Like, looking back on it... I don't know the percentage of people that played high school football in my high school that became absolute fuck ups, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was a high number. And <laughs> I can't imagine that like something about that didn't have to do with the fact that these kids spent four years smashing their heads into other people. Like how do you, you know, get it up to pretty much have a life if your brain cells are just mangled, you know, couple that with the fact that, you know, the culture of football would be such that you would just be drinking, you know, when you weren't playing, um, keg parties, that sort of thing. Yeah. Shit kids do in high school, I guess, or used to do. honestly don't know what the fuck kids do anymore, but like, um, yeah, so I was like 10 and I don't know, my parents were like, damn, bro, this fucking kid doesn't really like baseball or he doesn't like football. I think I was into football, you know, periodically. Um, Actually, I remember very vividly that I I quit football. I signed up for Staten Island Boys. I went through like three or four practices and it was just too hard for me. Like I was, because of my weight, I was always a little heavier than everybody else because I was a little fat fucking kid. And, um, they put me with the older kids and the older kids were, I mean, in, in hindsight, it really is amazing that they would do that because I was probably like ten, nine, or 10, probably 10. They put me with like the 12 and 13 year old kids. And, you know, I was just physically outmatched, even though by weight I was, you know, on par with these kids. In reality, I was a lot smaller than they were, um, you know, cause I had gone up that age bracket, you know? So, but the, by weight, I mean the physical development from like 12 to 13 verse 10 is, is pretty significant. You know, like if I like look at myself at 13 versus 10, I was just so much bigger at 13, you know, and, and, and just so much more developed, so it's not a secret or not a, 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 a fucking mystery why I quit football. because I was around kids who were just destroying me. So I went to like three practices and was like, fuck this. Um, I couldn't run as fast as anybody else. I didn't really know how to put on, you know, the the gear. Um It was hot as fuck outside. I mean, I think practices started in the summer, and it was like a billion fucking degrees out. And it just wasn't for me. Um, I'm really glad, in hindsight, that I didn't do that. Um, But uh, I got into basketball in 92, and, you know, I used to tape these games, and it was just you know, for years, I probably taped them up until the early 2000s, maybe 2003 or so, 2004, whenever like, you know, DVDs became really, really mainstream, and you just wound up ditching the VHS player completely. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, we went from DVDs to streaming over the course of, like, just a few years. Um, now, it's like, it's fucking unheard of to think of just the concept of, of VHS and, like, renting a movie and, like, uh, having it for a couple days, watching it, wanting to watch it in the first place with such a degree that you would, you know, basically, uh, like, go to a, a place and pick out the movie. Like, could you imagine doing that shit now? Like, like, could you imagine sitting home on a Friday night and being like, you know, I'm bored. And I really want to watch something. I'm going to get in my fucking car or I'm going to walk down the street or wherever you used to go and go rent a fucking movie. Like go into a like a actual uh, establishment, look at a bunch of racks, see what's in the new release section, be like, oh, this looks cool. This looks cool. Oh, you know, and then like actually have to weigh with your own money what you wanted to spend that money on. Like you would have to just sort of assess like, it, was it worth $3? Like, is this worth $3? You know, sometimes you'd rent more than one movie. Um, and then there was the aspect of making like that experience into something that was really kind of like a movie theater. So you, you would go to like, I remember it very vividly like going to Blockbuster and you know when you would go to check out there would be like popcorn and candy and it would be like how do how do we mimic you know the movie going experience and and the you know these companies made all these products to basically you know sell at the at the stand in Blockbuster um I also remember when Blockbuster uh like for a brief period of time at least where I lived in Staten Island um I remember when Blockbuster actually took a section of Blockbuster and turned it into like pretty much what was like a triple X section um and I don't know how long they had that I mean it might have been like a year two years there was like a back room or something that they turned into like a section for pornos and like That was kind of fascinating, Um, and then they got rid of it. uh, But but they did have it for a little while, and like in in the back of my mind, I like I think about that, and I'm just like, could you imagine even just going into like a store to like look at like pornography, and also could you imagine if there was a store like in your neighborhood? where you would go to rent movies and then all of a sudden like it's there for like let's say five six seven years all of a sudden they're just like yeah pornos that's what we're that's what we're doing now you know this is our new section like the the um i don't think it would be like societal outrage because i don't think anybody gives that much of a fuck and depending on the neighborhood you're in like people really don't give a fuck you know what i'm saying like um but like I don't. I wouldn't say I lived in like the classiest of neighborhoods. In fact, like I lived in a pretty, pretty mundane kind of shitty neighborhood. Um, it wasn't. I wasn't destitute, you know. Um, it wasn't like a slum. Uh, depending on how you looked at it, I mean, if you know, compared to where I live now, I mean, it's probably you know pretty fucked up. Um, it wasn't like a good area. I mean, it was definitely lower middle class, whatever middle class is, but, like, I could see people having issues with it, um, now, um, mostly because there's such a pushback against that type of stuff in this day and age, like, you know, nobody's opening, like, a new porno store, like, anywhere, you know what I'm saying? It's, like, that's just not a thing that happens, like, uh, you might see a new, like, vape shop, uh, or, you know, most of the new businesses now are, like, concentrated in very specific kind of areas, <laughs> you know, you get, like, a, you know, a gym, uh, maybe you get, like, a coffee shop, you know, sushi, um, fucking, um, it depends where you live, of course, you know, but, like, there's three or four industries that are, like, when you think of businesses, those are the things that people start. And, um, I just don't see like pornography as being one of those things. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I used to tape those games and I couldn't see myself taping a game now. Um, not in that way when so much of these things are just available online. Um, but I also don't think I have the level of like interest in watching the game the way I used to. I mean, I would w- tape those games and then, like, watch the tapes. And a lot of it was, like, in the same way I would, like, watch a television show now to kind of break down the dialogue and, and, and like, almost see the television show on a page. I mean, I would do that with a game. And it's, like, I would be, like, breaking down the game See the way players are moving. A lot of it back then was to watch how players shot the ball, because that's all I really like to do. Uh, You know, when I played basketball as a shooter, um, or at least I wanted to be. (laughs) You know, in high school you have to play the, you know, the position in which your really your height dictates. Um, So I played like power forward and center and shit like that. But you know, if I ever made it to the NBA, I'd have just been um, like a shooting guard or something. So I primarily focused on shooting and, you know, so I would watch shooters, um, you know, Allen Houston, Ray Allen, um, Del Curry, Glenn Rice, uh, Steve Smith, um, Mark Price, Craig Hodges, um, Steve Kerr, um, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Larry Bird. Um, Joe Dumars. I mean, you would kind of watch the way uh, Dennis Scott, uh, Nick Anderson. Um, I'm just thinking of players off the top of my head. Um, Dennis Scott in particular, I always loved the way Dennis Scott's shot looked. I mean, he had kind of a set shot, but it was so pretty. Um, Dan Marley. Um, So I would pretty much like you know, try to emulate those things. And um, that was kind of like what I got out of watching it. And I, I don't think that, you know, nowadays uh, I get the same things out of it. But it was really fun to watch. I enjoyed very much so watching the, um, the halftime show, um, which was Jake Cole, um, you know, who I had wrote, written a story on about a year ago coming up on a year ago in April. And um, really, like, just seeing him having a moment was, like, really incredible for me because, um, I don't know, man. Like, you know, it's just interesting when when a person tells you something and then they kind of follow through on it. And I remember when I was doing the story on him, uh, like, he was kind of not necessarily coming out of like hibernation or anything like that, um, but in some sense there was this, you know, period of time where he was kind of, uh, like a little off the, a little off the scene, so to speak, you know, um, doing whatever it was he was doing, living almost like a reclusive life, I mean, it wasn't reclusive because he he was out all the time, um, just where he lived, um, so the thing you know was was like when I did that story I remember him kind of like talking to me about that and being like you know I'm ready to get back out there and I'm probably going to be a little more visual I mean I don't think he was as as direct as that but it was a vibe I was getting not just from him but from the people around him where they were kind of like you know saying like look you know He he's in a good place, and you know there's gonna be like sort of this emergence. um, And so many people talk thing, talk shit, and say they're gonna do something, but so very few actually follow through on it. And to see like the kind of year that he's had since we did that thing, and just see him kind of like really explode, particularly in a you know from the standpoint of like having to do the article. And just recognizing, like, when I went to do the article, that there, frankly, wasn't a ton of interest in it before I did it. Like, it was almost like, why would we do a story on this dude? Like, why should we publish this kind of thing? Um, And, in fact, the story had gotten turned down by a couple of different outlets. Um, And we, he and I were just kind of doing it, you know, on our own. Um, and like, you know, now I think a year later, I think that the conversation around him is so much different and it just really feels like it was something like kind of redeeming or rewarding about being ahead of that conversation as I typically am. I mean, let's just fucking, let's just be honest here, you know, um, like, I was like trying to sell something to people who weren't really even that interested. It was like I could see something happening before before it happened. And um, you know, that's what happens. You know, you get so ahead of the conversation and you have to wait for people to catch up. So seeing him perform that shit was just really amazing and um I really I really um thought that was dope. So that's like my fucking final thoughts for the day. Um, you know, and that's it. I mean, maybe I'm going to check back in tomorrow. Maybe not. I don't I don't really know if I have time. I don't know what this is going to be. I think this is going to be called Live from the Couch. And um, it's just my little podcast or whatever the fuck where I'm just going to talk. Maybe I'm going to interview people. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to go out and do a story. Maybe it's going to be like Serial or one of those other long-form podcasts. I really have no idea. Um, I just want to do something with... Very low expectations and low maintenance, where I'm just talking uh, mostly because I like hearing myself talk. Maybe you like hearing me too. Maybe you listen to this and you think I'm a fucking asshole. Maybe you hope I never do another podcast again. Maybe you don't care about my kid. Maybe you don't give a shit about what I have to say about basketball or hip hop or music or life itself. Maybe you don't care about media. Maybe you don't care about any of these things. It is very possible. But if you do, Hopefully, you listened and you enjoyed it. And, you know, if you did, let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter. It's just backslash Paul Cantor. Uh, you can email me, paulcantor at gmail.com. You can tell me anything. You can send me music. I hope you don't send me music. Honestly, like, like I'd prefer you didn't, you know. Or if you do, write me a courteous email. Uh, I get a lot of music, can't listen to all of it. Uh, it's only so much time in a day. But if you have any comments on this or anything else, you disagree with me, you want to tell me to go fuck myself, whatever it is, feel free to do that. Um, And yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Hopefully we'll do it again uh, in a very short period of time. All right.